The following is a message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. More information about Parkview is available at www.parkviewchurch.org. All right, good morning. My name is Doug, one of the pastors here, and um, it's great to have you here. And that is amazing news. We just talked about how much Jesus loves us. And, and uh, so I'm excited you're here. If you're new to Parkview, um, would love to meet you or would love to have you meet somebody at Parkview Connect afterwards. Uh, there's people there that can let you know about the church and help you get connected here. That'd be awesome. You guys, today is kind of a special morning. Uh, we're calling this Ignite. There's a couple times a year where we just gather together as a church and pray. And I can just tell you, last hour... Uh, so what we're doing is kind of a shorter service here, but then giving some time on the back end of the service for prayer, okay? And so on the back of your bulletin, there are four different locations around the church where if you would like to leave and pray for certain topics, for our city, for our schools, for example, those things, then you and your family can go to those rooms during that prayer time and pray there. So there's also going to be a group meeting here to pray during the time, so if you'd rather stay. You could do that. You could pray quietly alone. You can get in groups and pray. But I can just tell you as a pastor and on behalf of the other pastors, I love it that you guys are a church that prays. There's a saying that says, when we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. Okay. And so uh, I like it when God does his thing instead of just me doing mine. Okay. So it's awesome at the beginning of a school year to just lay stuff before God and say, God, please Work And so that's the heart behind Ignite and encourage you to be a part of that. We'll guide you through this as it goes. A um, couple other things in your bulletin. One of the things you can really be praying for is the launch of our East Campus. So that's happening on September 18th. And you're going to hear more verbally about that the next couple weeks. But, but there's an insert that kind of gives you some direction about that and some things you can be praying for. That'd be great. Um, one of the key uh, DNA uh, that one of the key elements of our DNA at Parkview is I love it that you guys are a church that serves. You reach out to others. And a couple of ways you can do that, uh, on the 27th, that's a Saturday, there's an event called Renew that's really for single moms to kind of take a break, to be served a nice breakfast while her car is being cared for in the parking lot, those kind of things. If you'd like to serve at that or if you would like to be involved in that. We have some free tickets for you in the foyer. You can invite a single mom and come along if you would like. So that's one way um, that we're hoping to serve. Uh, another one on the 28th, so two Sundays from today, we're doing something called a Taste of Parkview, where you're going to get a chance to kind of see the different ministries that are going, in, uh, going on around here, both where you can either jump in and be involved or where you can jump in and help serve. And so there'll be some food at that and you can mingle and, and kind of see what's going on at Parkview. Okay. So, and one other quick one here is that the nature of the town we're in, there are some amazing opportunities for us. Uh, there are 120 international students looking for uh, a, an American friend. Okay. So friends of international students looking for 120 uh, either families or community groups or individuals that would like to befriend an international student moving into town and looking for a friendship. So if that's something you'd like to do, there's a kiosk in the foyer or you can register online, okay? So let me pray for us and we'll continue um, with our service today. So Father, I'm, I'm excited that at the end of our time together, there's gonna be a block of time for us to just talk to you. 
You are such a gracious God that in spite of your greatness, your holiness, your majesty, that you let people like us talk to you. So I pray that that would be just an amazing time for us and for this church. And God, would you please continue to use this church? You have blessed us in so many ways. May we be a blessing to this community and to this world. Please use this offering now to do that, just that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. multi-generational church we can worship together uh, but this morning I'm going to do something that I think the kids are going to especially like so you guys do you guys know in the Bible that it says in Psalm 47 1 to shout to God with loud songs of joy and your parents might get mad at you for shouting in the house but I'm going to tell you that this house this is a place where we can shout okay so we're going to sing this song here in a second and there's going to be this part where we said all the earth will shout your praise and if you know you're bad at singing or you just want to shout really loud, I encourage you to not make this sound beautiful, but just to make it sound loud. Can you do that? All right, everybody, everybody in this room, nobody's excluded. Thumbs up if you're with me. All right, this is good. All right, church, why don't we stand? We're going to do this together. We're going to make a loud noise to the Lord. Sing all the earth. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing, great are 
louder. Come on, here we go. All the earth. transgressions and sins in which, we, in which we once walked, you have made us alive together with Christ, and by grace we are now saved. And so we, we praise you, God. That is so good that we live lives now, and I pray that we would live them in, in response to that breath you put in our lungs, that our lives would be lives of worship towards you. So Lord, we love you. Thank you for this morning in this place where we can shout songs of praise to you. It's your name we pray. Amen. Church, thank you for humoring me. Take a seat, please. And church, actually, could I have you scoot in as you're sitting down? That'd be really helpful to make room for more people as they come in. Thank you. Good morning. 
thankful for my daughter sending those to me, and it cracked me up this week, so we had to slip it in there somehow, right? So did you watch the Olympics this week? Everybody get a chance to watch them? Seriously, those gymnasts were outstanding, amazing. Um, I thought we were good in 2012, even way better. The biggest margin ever in, in Olympic women's competition. So I did make that comment a couple of different times. They ought to put a guy like me out there doing stuff just so they can see how vast the difference is between these highly skilled gymnasts and then people like us, right? So there was a comment made this week, and I, I don't have any reason to doubt it, but when uh, we were on the Olympic stand, the medal stand so many times, but the time when the whole women's team was up there, uh, Gabby Douglas did not have her hand over her heart. And so some people were upset about that, and they asked her why, you know, was she being disrespectful? And again, I don't have any reason to doubt it. She said she was just so caught up in the moment about the awe of being, having the privilege of being a part of such a, a, a team that did so well. And she was just caught up in the moment that she just forgot protocol, forgot to put her hand over her heart, and just that she had that privilege of being a part of what we would say would be an unstoppable team. And so what we're talking about the next couple of weeks is we're talking about the church, and really the church is the ultimate unstoppable team. And what I want you guys to understand today is that church isn't something you go to, um, but the church is who you are, okay? We're going to talk about, about church. In fact, the first time the word church was used, uh, Jesus was speaking to one of his disciples named Peter, and in Matthew 16, 16 through 16, or I'm sorry, 16 to 18, uh, Jesus had just asked a question to all of his disciples. He said, who do you say that I am? And Peter was, was that one that always raised his hand and said, I know, I know. And so he gave the answer first. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. When Jesus used the word church, it wasn't a religious word at that time. It didn't mean a building. We think of church, we think of building. Basically, the word meant a gathering of people. And so Jesus said, I'm going to gather a people around this statement, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that's what Jesus did with his disciples. And that movement has continued on. Again, not buildings, but people gathered around that statement that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. So you don't go to church if you believe in that statement. If you believe in Jesus Christ, then you are the church. And we have that privilege then of being part of the ultimate unstoppable team. And we need to understand that that is our identity. What, how we live really flows out of what we believe about who we are, okay? So she's here this hour. I don't want to embarrass her, but my, my oldest daughter is heading to college today. That's a, that went way too fast for me. Um, 216 months is just gone, all right? So more emotional for me than her. She's ready to go, right? So, but how... She will do this year on her campus will really be a reflection of does she understand her identity? And, and that's what we're going to talk about. But, but that's for all of us, too. A lot, a lot of you have students. Some of you are students starting school soon. Uh, all of us are heading back to neighborhoods today. All of us are heading back to families and friendships tomorrow, some of us to jobs. Really, how we act and how we live is really going to be a reflection of do we understand who we are? So 
our, our theme sentence today is that the church is an unstoppable team of elect exiles, that'll mean something to you in a little bit, empowered by the gospel to live boldly and compassionately for the good of this world. All right, so let me pray for us and we'll start jumping into this. Uh, Father, would you take these few minutes around these really amazing words from your Bible and would you speak to us clearly about who we are and then would you give us the courage and the wisdom and the ability to live it out, to live out who we really are. It's in your great name we pray, amen. Right, so if you have a Bible, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at the first few verses in that chapter. Uh, like Jacob said, we've got a lot of kids in the house today, giving children's workers the day off. Kids, I know you're here. Could you listen for one thing that God, that you learned today, something you learned from the Bible, and then could you share it with your mom or dad or grandparent or a friend on your way home? Because they may have missed it, okay? I think God talks to you guys sometimes in different ways than he talks to your parents. So listen up, okay? So 1 Peter 1, verses 1 and 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles, there's that phrase, elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Those are all regions in modern-day Turkey, okay? According to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Okay, a lot of big words in those two verses, but a lot of meat for us to chew on today. First of all, those words, elect, exile, place side by side. That's like an oxymoron, you guys. It's like Microsoft Works, or Jumbo Shrimp, or Sanitary Landfill. Like, how can we be elect and exile? So let's unpack that. A little bit. We are elect means uh, that God has chosen us. That, that's amazing. In fact, in those two verses, you see a full court press of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit just pursuing us. Okay, it says that the Father foreknew this plan. He foreknew us. So you've been pursued. You've been loved. You've been chosen by God. All right, so the Father foreknew us. Then God's Spirit sets us apart. Like God's Spirit comes into our lives and makes us different, frees us up to really obey Jesus Christ. Uh, so God, God chooses us. The Holy Spirit causes us to be able to obey Jesus. And then there, there's an interesting phrase there that it's, uh, we, are, we are sanctified by the Spirit to obey Jesus for the sprinkling with his blood. What that means, it's a reflection on the cross how the cross sets us free from living for stupid things to now living for what really matters and from getting involved in stuff that just hurts us to now being set free from sin and being able to live for Jesus and what he's all about. So, man, that's amazing. I, I hope what you're catching from that is that you are valuable. Your life has a purpose. You're not here by accident. That your creator pursued you in fact, you did nothing for this whole transaction. All you did was sin to make Jesus' death for you necessary. That's, that's the only way we've contributed to this whole thing. We sinned, okay? From there on, God took it. God chose us. God cared for us. God loved us. God, you are, all of us in Jesus are incredibly loved and incredibly blessed. You are elect. You are chosen by God. 
But then you look at this next phrase, and we are exiles. So exile is not some place you sign up to go. Oh, send me into exile. Exile means foreign land, strange place. Often means persecution, mistreatment, misunderstanding, like exiles. In fact, the people that Peter was writing to, most likely this was written in the middle uh, 60s after uh, 60s AD. So 64, 65 AD. In 64 AD, the Roman emperor Nero for whatever reason, a lot of theories, but for whatever reason, burned the city of Rome. And then he blamed that on Christians. The persecution against Christians was already pretty intense. But after that, it just went to whole new levels. In fact, you've maybe heard some of the horrific stories of, of Christians being covered in oil and then lit on fire and hung from stakes to light the city. That's the kind of persecution we're talking about. And later in Peter's letter to them, he warns God's people, don't be surprised when the fiery trials come upon you. In fact, that's a theme throughout this letter, is that trials are going to come. Hardships are going to come. So, so, so he says, don't be surprised when you see those things. So we're living in exile. The Bible in other places says that our citizenship is in heaven. That once you meet Jesus and you understand his life, you know there's a whole other place uh, that you were intended to live. Now, this life, this world is beautiful because God has created it. God is, a, God is an amazing God. I mean, I just thought of this summer, some of the beautiful things I've gotten to see. We camped in Door County, and so seeing sunsets on Green Bay and Door, Door County were powerful. Or getting to bike along Lake Michigan, where on one side you see the skyline of Chicago, and the other side you see uh, the vastness of Lake Michigan. That was cool are going to the state fair, and there's a rib wrapped in bacon. Like, this, like, what else do you need? Like, so, so many amazing and beautiful things, relationships, and times you've laughed this summer, beautiful things about this planet. And yet, there are some very hard things, some very brutally difficult things about this life. In fact, C.S. Lewis has said this, if we find ourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. When we suffer pain, when we suffer rejection and hardship and suffering, it just reminds us that we have another home. So we are exiles. And what Peter wants to happen through uh, this letter, he tells us just flat out in chapter 5, verse 12, he says, I've written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God Stand firm in it. So what he's saying to God's people is like, in this world, though you're exiles, I want you to know that you are elect. I want you to live boldly. I want you to live uh, compassionately. And I want you to spread the message of what God has done for you. I want you to be strong in the midst of adversity. All right? So then you jump into verse 3. In these three verses, we're going to see, okay, this is why we can have hope. This is why it expands on what it means to be elect. Like, this is the gift that God has given us through the gospel. Okay, again, a lot of big words here, but let's, let's break this down. So, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded 
through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. There's three things I want us to see about the gospel. Again, we have a short sermon time today. Just a few points I want to hit from these rich verses. Okay, first is that the gospel brings new life. So the gospel brings new life. The Bible is very honest with us that sin kills us. That even in in Ephesians 2, it talks about that we can look alive on the outside, but be spiritually dead before receiving the gospel, before Jesus forgives us our sin. We are like zombies. We are like walking dead people, all right? Uh, No spiritual life, no connection with God and the life that he wants to give us. So the gospel is essential for us. The gospel doesn't just make bad people good, or the gospel isn't just a life hack like that makes your life a little more efficient or tweaks you a little bit. Like you are, and I am, dead apart from the gospel. No life. But it's the gospel that brings us new life. And so Jesus has conquered sin. That's the hope of the gospel. In fact, you can break that down, that Jesus has defeated sin in our past, in our present, and in our future. He's, he's paid the price, so we are set free from the penalty of our sin. Because we're sinners, we're guilty before God, and yet the Bible says you have been saved by the gospel. So you're saved from the past and your penalty of sin. Right now, this is one that a lot of people miss. The gospel sets you free right now from the power of sin. Every one of us here that's telling the truth battles sin. It is, it is still hard to obey God, but the gospel gives us hope now that we can defeat the power of sin, that we can grow that we can be changed, we saw in verse 2, that we can be sanctified to be able to obey Jesus. Okay, so the gospel gives us hope now, and then also the gospel gives us hope in the future. We will be set free from the presence of sin. We can't wait because our citizenship is in heaven. No more death, no more pain, no more sin. So that is how powerful the gospel is. The gospel gives you new life because the gospel defeats sin, okay? Second is that the gospel is made certain through the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, Peter said that he caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter was one of the first ones to see the empty tomb, to see that Jesus was really alive. When he heard the rumor, he was with another disciple named John, and they took off running. And for whatever reason, John got there first. I don't know if Peter was a little chunky or had a hamstring that day, didn't have his running shoes on, but John got there first. John, though, maybe a little timid and was like looking at the outside. When Peter got there, he might have been panting a little harder, but he just bust on in and he had to look throughout that place. He looked throughout the tomb and was convinced that his body was gone. Jesus was alive. And then throughout the next 40 days, Peter spent time with Jesus and was reassured Peter was a completely different man after the resurrection and before the resurrection. His boldness just magnified because he knew for sure that his gospel that he was clinging to was true because it's a living hope because Jesus conquered death. Jesus is alive. So a bumper sticker this week around town said, Darwin loves you. And I thought, like, well, that's kind of cool. But the problem is Darwin is dead. Okay, so it doesn't really help me out. But Jesus is alive, and we say Jesus loves you. That is a living hope. You have a living 
Savior, verified through the resurrection of Christ. And the last one is that the gospel assures us of our inheritance. Here's the concept. Remember, you were born again. It's like there was new life. You were born into a new family. And so I don't know if you are an heir to someone or if someone is an heir to you. No offense here, but there is no inheritance that comes even close to saying that I'm an heir of God, okay? The creator, I, I have a part in his inheritance. What an amazing gift that a group of sinful men and women and kids like us that through the gospel can now say, I am in God's family and I have an inheritance waiting for me in heaven that is unfading and undefiled and it's being kept in heaven for me. That's only part of it, though. This new part, the second part hit me in a new way this week. Did you catch the end of that verse where it says that, that, that this inheritance is being kept for you? That's us who have faith in Christ. But then he describes us. He says that you are, by God's power, being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Did you catch that? that God is guarding you, that the power of God is not just keeping your inheritance ready for you, but the power of God is keeping you on track so that there will be a day where you will go to heaven and walk in that inheritance. That blew me away. Because there's a part of me that just honestly wonders sometimes, 10 years from now, will I still be you know, just passionately following Jesus and trusting Him? Or what if adversity comes to my life in such a way that instead of crying out to God in praise, that my fist gets clenched and I start gritting my teeth at Him? What an assurance that this gift we have, this hope we have, we did nothing to earn, but here it is, the power of God guarding us through faith so that we can step into and experience salvation future and step into our inheritance. You guys, that, and you'll see this throughout this whole letter of First Peter, that is why we can live as elect exiles. That's why no matter how hard things get for us, we have the gospel truth that we can cling to. We just spent a couple minutes in that. Look back through just the rich concepts we just read. So then finally, here's the deal, is that what God loves to do through his unstoppable team is not just he gave us these amazing benefits in the gospel, but now what we're called to do is to put the gospel on display. And we're going to talk about that over the next couple of weeks. But in this passage, I see three ways that the gospel is put on display. First of all, the gospel is expressed and displayed as we go through hard times. Look at verse 6. In this you rejoice, though for now, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, I, I just wonder this morning, like, where are you experiencing trial? Like, where are you being tested? For some of you, that's an immediate answer. You can point to something physical or emotional, or there's been a big loss, or there's a battle in your life, it's easy for you to think, I'm in it right now. I'm in the trial. I'm in adversity right now. Some of us might have to think a little bit. Uh, some of us, our thoughts might go to others that are in trial and adversity and hardship. 
The promise here is that that is what we are going through is not accidental. That God is using these times of adversity and hardship to strengthen and to purify uh, our faith. That we will have a richer faith because of this adversity as we continue to trust in Christ. And in many ways then, the result is that praise and honor will go to Jesus as people see uh, us not only just going through these times, but as they see our faith being purified. I had a beautiful picture of this this week um, with an amazing person that I've known uh, for about 20 years. And um, from the time this person was in junior high, even then, I saw a hunger to get to know God, you know. And uh, over 20 years, just kind of tracking uh, this person, just some really cool places and seasons of growth. Um, but last week, just a very hard thing, and some of you guys can relate, where it feels like the waters are up to here and the adversity is intense. And, and um, just in a conversation where just venting was happening and just, oh, how could this be happening? Or, or where is God in this? And just in some of those honest moments, you know, I think this person would say, oh, I'm so embarrassed I even said some of those things or thought some of those things. Something profound hit me as this person was just sharing and crying and people were comforting, I saw, and it, and it helps that I've known this person for years, but I, I didn't see weakness. I saw strength. And I, I was not like repulsed, like, oh, how could you doubt God? Like, if anything, I was thinking, I wish I had your faith. Like, I wish, <laughs> I wish I was doing in my life the things that I see that God is doing in your life. There may be times, some of you may be up to here, and it maybe seems like, for, for years or for months, you've been praying and asking for God, and you may be totally unaware that God's got a plan for this, and that under, you know, as you're concentrating on battling, keeping the nose above, that God is doing a powerful work in your life and your faith, and that people are seeing that. And the honor and the glory isn't going to you, but it's going, it's going to Jesus. Uh, so our, our suffering is not in, you know, an accident or God just turned his head and, oh, sorry, I didn't, I wasn't watching you this week, but, but he has a plan for that. Okay. Our, the gospel is expressed through our trials. Um, we're not going to have time for this, but verses 10 to 12 talk about how the gospel has been on display for many generations and even through different realms. It talks about the prophets five, six, seven hundred years before the time of Jesus saw what was coming and saw the glory of the gospel and what it would do. There's even a part in verse 12 where it says the angels in heaven marvel at what is happening on the earth. Just think of all the things that angels could marvel at in heaven. And yet verse 12 says that they marvel at the work of the gospel among God's people. So the gospel's on display throughout generations and centuries and throughout the realms. But the last point I want to make is that the gospel is really intended to be on display before a watching world. That we are an unstoppable team clinging to the hope and the power of the gospel. And so what, what God's plan is, is that we would be a people, that we would be a movement of people clinging to the truth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, unstoppable because of the power of the gospel. And then come what may, that we are able to compassionately and generously and boldly extend the gospel. And exhibit A for that is the Apostle Peter. And uh, again, he would be, on some hand, uh, before he saw the resurrected Christ, he made some big mistakes. 
He denied that he even knew Jesus. There was a time Jesus called him Satan, okay? So he made some big no-nos. But at the same time, after the gospel invaded his life, he was a very bold man. He, in fact, eventually was killed because of his commitment to Christ. He was crucified upside down. And this man's life was completely changed. There was a time in his life where he was on trial, uh, and he would not back down on his belief in Jesus. And the same group that he was on trial in front of were the people that had just crucified Jesus 50 days earlier. So here's Peter on trial. Is he going to back down? Is he going to be a coward? No, he's very strong in front of them. And he, he, he said, you guys crucified Jesus. And then God raised him from the dead. You couldn't shut him up from talking about the resurrection. And so they threatened him. They said, you've got to stop talking about the name of Jesus. And he said, I can't help but to talk about what we've seen and what we've heard And so then Peter goes back, and so like I said earlier, we're going to have a time of prayer in here, and I would like this prayer that we're going to see in the Bible be the launching pad for our prayer this morning. So Peter leaves this confrontation. Uh, He's being threatened. uh, He's got to shut up, or they're going to hurt him. So here's what they pray. Acts 4.23 says, When they, that's Peter and John, were released, they went to their friends, and they reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. Listen to what they don't pray. Oh, God, stop the hardship. You know, God, stop the opposition. Just listen to the courage of their prayer. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. They're saying, God... You know what's going on. You know all these people that are pushing against us and who for some reason are against Jesus. You are the sovereign God. You know all this. So here's their prayer. And so now, Lord, look on their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And so now we're going we're gonna to start praying here in a little bit. And this, you can pray quietly where you are. Um, there'll be some music in the background. And if you're comfortable, though, if you're with some people, you want to pray out loud with them, that'd be awesome. Just kind of clump up and pray together. And I'll give you a couple targets to pray about. And after we pray in here for a few minutes, that's when I'll lead you into a time where you can either stay here and continue to pray for things that will scroll on the screen, or you can go to different rooms throughout the church and pick a topic or a target that you and your family or you and your friends or you want to go pray for, okay? So here's what we're going to pray for here now. Um, Could I encourage you first to just thank God, to praise God for the gospel that he has given you. And if you want to look at those verses on your handout, First Peter 1, 3 to 5, could help you remember, help you focus on the gospel, okay? So again, together out loud or quietly where you are, 
for the next couple of minutes, thank God, praise God for the gospel that he has given us. Okay, let's pray. Pray together. Thank you for listening to this message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. Parkview's mission is to love God, love others, and serve the world. If you live in the Iowa City area, we invite you to join us in person for services every weekend. You can get service times and directions, download messages, and get news and information about Parkview Church by visiting www.parkviewchurch.org. You can also contact us by phone at 319-354-5580 or write to us at Parkview Church, 15 Foster Road, Iowa City, Iowa, 52245.